Welcome in, everybody, to the views from the 573 Podcast. Hope you all are doing well on this Friday as we have another weekend of college and NFL football to discuss with you all this week. There's some really good games happening this week in both. So we are going to talk a little bit about all them going on and pick some of them as well. Also, let's talk. we'll talk about the playoffs right now with the MLB, the AL and NLCS. They're both going on right now, and we'll talk a little bit about them up at the top. And I did say, you know, we would have three podcasts this week, but scheduling conflicts with Charles, we are going to be taping this probably when this pod is already out on Friday. So that'll be coming out later next week, and I, I'm presuming probably Monday uh, is when I'll be posting it right before the season. You get started on Tuesday night. If not, it'll be a little bit later. But uh, it's going to be coming out next week instead of this week, so sorry about that. Also, me and Matt, we're working to try to get a pod scheduled for next week to kind of talk about where we are, even though we're not at the mid-season point quite yet with the NFL. We're going to talk about where things stand as of right now. So looking forward to that next week and uh, ha- having fun with him and talking about what all's going on with the NFL and where we think – these teams stack up as of right now and uh we'll see if that changes if any thoughts change after this week or see if they stay the same but uh if you haven't yet before we get on to anything else be sure to go subscribe wherever you're listening we greatly appreciate it turn on notifications so you'll know when a new episode drops turn on notifications and be sure to go subscribe to youtube if you watch our videos over there so be sure to do all that stuff it really helps us out and be sure to go follow us on the social media, 573pods on X. You know, it's still, still hard to get used to saying that. So be sure to go follow us on there. And I think that is everything. So without further ado, let's get on into it. And let's get on to some baseball with the AL and the NLCS with how things are going right now. Of course, you got the two Texas teams and the Rangers and the Astros playing their games. Right now, we got a game happening on Thursday, which will will have already happened by the time this pods out, but we got another game on Friday with Game Five, being at Texas, being at the Rangers Stadium, and with Games Four and Five being there, and the Rangers with the series shifting there, with the Rangers taking both the first two games of the series, two to zero and five to four, with pretty good pitching performance by Jordan Montgomery in the first game from the Rangers, and then. Them winning by a run in game two. Astros have not been a good road team or a good home team this year. And uh, they go on the road and they win eight to five. And so the series is two to one right now with the road teams just winning these, you know, just flat out winning these games. The home team has not won. So we'll see if the Rangers can kind of change that narrative here as they have two games at home. And honestly, if they can finish these two games up, these two games, you know. By the by Saturday, you know, they could have clinched this and go, go to the World Series. So we'll have to see how things go. But, you know, the Astros are not going to go down without a fight. And as of right now, with the Diamondbacks and the Phillies, same thing as well. The The road teams have ended up uh, winning so far, or the home teams have ended up winning things so far. I was looking at the schedule here. It's like they got confused for a bit with, uh, with how things are shifting over to Arizona for game three. It's happening on Thursday again. That we'll, we're talking about that. We're talking about this on Friday, but 
Game four is on Friday as well with game four. And then you got game five on Saturday. And that could be a big one as well because we don't know if the Phillies are going to end up going to sweep the Diamondbacks as they're up 2 0, winning game one, 5 to 3, and winning game two, shutting them out 10 to 0. And just uh, Schwarber has been on a tear from, from what I've read. Uh, he's joined some elite company. So Phillies are in a good spot. They're looking to get back to the World Series. And right now they're two games away from doing that, of course. Um, as I'm saying this right now, they could it could be one game away or it still could be two games away. So we'll have to see. But right now they're in a good spot winning both their home games. They they did what they need to do, and now they head to Arizona to try to see if they can close up shop and get back to the World Series. I know they're itching to get back after what happened last year, and they're just wanting to get another chance at it. So we'll have to see how things go. And... That's where we are with the playoffs right now. Still a lot of stuff that could happen here. Still a lot of games that could really determine who's going to be in the World Series. I don't think the Diamondbacks are out yet. They got their three games at home upcoming. So I don't think they're out. I think that'll really help. The crowd, I think, will be into it. And with Texas, I mean, they still got home games left, too, and they're up 2-1. to one. So we'll have to see how things roll. And uh, see if we have a World Series matchup to discuss on Monday or if we're still waiting for an official matchup. You know, looking at how things go, if there's a Game 7 with the Rangers and Astros Series, would be on Monday night. And I believe if there's a Game 7 with the Diamondbacks and Phillies, it would be on Tuesday night. So still a long ways to go, but we're getting, we're inching closer to finding out who's going to be playing in this year's fall classic. So with talking about playoffs, let's get to the regular season with the, with college football and with NFL. And again, we're going to start off with college football and uh, keep that rolling. And we'll talk about the NFL a little bit later on. So let's start talking about this week's games in week number eight. And, you know, I'm let me look up because we are getting closer to finding out the college football playoff rankings, getting our first taste of what the committee's kind of thinking with this batch of teams that we have. And I've been kind of thinking about like, okay, how am I going to do the shows? Am I going to do them on Tuesday night and kind of have like a, a short break between the recap of the week and then the preview for the upcoming week? So I had to figure out how that's going to happen. But, we'll, you know, when it happens, we'll get there when we get there. But right now we are getting closer and closer because they usually come out in October and I'm feeling we're getting uh, really close here to finding out who is going to be ranked in the college football playoff and we won't have to worry about the AP poll. But right now the first game that we have to talk about, it's a big one, it's Penn State and Ohio State. And this is a top 10 matchup. First time since 2019 that we've had a top 10 matchup between these two teams. For the last seven have been top 10, but it has been four years since we've gotten one. So really excited for this one. And this one's going to be in in the early window. So if you're looking for a good game to watch in the early window, this is it. And this one, of course, is going to be on Fox. Big noon kickoff is going to be there. And right now, Ohio State, they're favored by around four. Four, four and a half, 
and it is at the shoe. It's at the horseshoe. They got the home field advantage of this one. Ohio State ranked third. Penn State ranked seventh. Both six and zero. Oh, both three and zero oh in the Big Ten so far. Kyle McCord has been pretty solid here since the Notre Dame game, and touchdown interception ratio has been really good, eleven to one uh, for him. So he's been doing pretty solid right now as the Ohio State quarterback. And then Drew Alar, you know, that's a thing to watch with this matchup is with these quarterbacks and kind of getting into it here a little bit later. I don't know if these fan bases for both these teams know exactly what they have. And I think this game will probably be the game to figure out, okay, this is what we have. We feel a little bit more confident about what we have and about our chances at making a run deep into the season, into the conference championship into the college football playoff, whatever. I think this is going to be the matchup to figure that out. And particularly with this quarterback battle, Kyle McCord again has been playing solid. He's actually had a lot of tests here early on as the starter. Uh, again, that Notre Dame game, that was a huge road test. He got them back won them late in that fourth quarter. So he's had more real more. And he's had more exposure to real road tests. Now, Drew Alar has played on the road a couple times already, but ha- and they haven't been really intimidating environments. This one is going to be off the walls. The The Buckeye fans are going to be going nuts. They're going to be making a lot of noise early. You do have to wonder, with this being Drew Alar's first real road test of his collegiate career, will it have an effect on him? We'll have to see. He's a really talented quarterback. And we'll have to see if that if the Ohio State fans, the crowd, the environment is going to get to him. So taking a little bit more deep dive into this matchup, and I'm thinking it, I'm going with Ohio State. Let's let's dive into it a little bit. Penn State and Ohio State. I, I when I found this out, couldn't believe it. Both and their their defenses have both been really good. Both are top three in scoring defenses, with being number two and number three. So right there, uh, Penn State has a lot of athletes on this side of the ball. And Ohio State's defense last year, they're not as attacking as they were. If you remember last year, I think I remember discussing about uh, uh, you know discussing about this last year. They had a lot of explosive plays that they gave up, particularly later on in those big games. You know, Georgia game, you know, Michigan game. They gave up a lot of explosive plays. And looking at things this year, they have not given up a lot of explosive plays. They've been really good about that so far. And you look at, you're looking at Penn State's offense. They've only had one explosive play, 40 or more. That's what an explosive play is in college football, 40 or more. That's last in the FBS. And that could really help out Ohio State here with how they want to operate on defense. Now, a couple of things to think about here. Last year in the game, if you remember, JT Dewey Malowal had it really had his coming out party and just went gangbusters in there. Had an impact on all those turnovers that Ohio State uh, took over from Penn State. Had made a couple impactful sacks, just was all over the place. And he's really starting to play some good football as of right now. And you know that's got to be in the back of Penn State's mind after what he did to them last year. Now the offensive line is pretty good. Probably not as good as they would have hoped, but it's still really good. You got Olu Fashano, the guy who's going to be top 10, top five pick in next year's draft at left tackle. So I'll have to see if Tui Malau matches up against him some or not, or if it's going to be Jack Sawyer or whoever. So 
you know that you're going to have him. And on the offensive side, you, you know you're going to have Marvin Harrison Jr. One thing for Ohio State to be concerned about, though, even though I'm picking them, is you don't know how healthy some key players are, like Omega Buka, like Tra- Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Denzel Burke, their number one corner. You really don't know if those guys are going to be healthy. And if Abuka isn't healthy, you wonder, well, how Penn State, how is Penn State going to match up against Marvin Harrison Jr.? Are they going to key in on him, or are they just going to play him regularly? Because Ohio State still has some good playmakers out there. Julian Fleming's really good. Xavier Johnson's really good. Kate Stover is a really good tight end. So they still have pieces there. But they could key in on Marvin Harrison Jr. more if Abuka is not out there. And if the running game, if they're without Henderson and Maya Williams, you got to figure out what you get and what you're going to do with the running game. And or how much are you going to lean on it if you don't have those two guys out there? And with Enzo Burke, you know, one thing that's really been in Ohio State's favor in limiting explosive plays is their corners have been really good and allowing those guys up front to make plays. But if your number one corner's not out there, could that hurt that a little bit? Uh, one thing with Penn State, though, they do have talent on the wide receiver side of the ball. Haven't made a whole lot of plays yet. Maybe they can make some explosive plays in here. But again, Ohio State's been really good about all that stuff this year. But again, I am taking Ohio State to win in this matchup. I think the home field advantage, I think it's going to be a rocking environment. It's going to be a fun game in the noon window. And I think... We're going to have an unhappy Peter Lewis here. And again, you can never count the X factor that is James Franklin. If there's anything we've learned on this podcast over the last six years since we've been doing this, since Peter's been on, always got to take in the variable that is James Franklin. And what could he do? What kind of madness could he pull off? Would he call a run on fourth and five in a clutch situation? We don't know. But uh, I am taking Ohio State here. Again, they are four, four and a half point favorites. I'm taking the Buckeyes. Next matchup that we will have to talk about here is UCF and Oklahoma. And Oklahoma undefeated, having the bye week. They're 6-0. UCF, 6-6. You have to wonder what Malzahn is going to have for this week. But Oklahoma, they are 17 and a half point favorites. Dylan Gabriel facing off against his former school. I think he's looking forward to the opportunity to go against his former school. And he's been good this year, 16 touchdowns to two interceptions, nearly 2,000 yards passing. I think he's going to have an amazing game. This game's going to be on ABC, and I think he's going to show out. So I am going to take the Sooners to win in this one. Next up, we got a, we got a commander-in-chief game. We got Air Force and Navy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Air Force and Navy. Right now, Air Force, they are ranked 6-0 and this year. You heard that right. They're 6-0, and and they are ranked 22nd in the AP poll, which is kind of shocking when I saw, like, wow, Air Force is in the top 25. You know, good on them. And they are going to be playing at Navy, who are 3-3. Three and three. And right now, Air Force, their running game is one of the best in the country. Looking at right now, they're, like, their rushing yards are insane. It's well over 300 yards per game that they're averaging on the ground. They're likely going to be without their starting quarterback this week. 
there's a, there's a, you know a couple with a backup quarterback you're gonna have to be worried a little bit about you know snaps and handoffs and all that stuff especially with the Air, offense Air Force runs but you know what Air Force they're favored by ten and a half around that number I am going to take Air Force and see this good story continue another week and see if they can make a real run at being one of the you know teams non-power five teams to make a run and try and getting a New Year's Six Bowl game. So, uh, you know, it's a fun story to see them going. But I'm going with the Air Force. I'm going with that military academy and think they move on to 7-0. Next up, we got a Pac-12 matchup, Washington State at Oregon. Of course, Oregon looking to bounce back after their loss to Washington last week. And they're facing another Washington team in the Cougars and Cougars are probably feeling like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> like, why? Why, Huskies? Why do you got to do this to us? Because, you know, Oregon, they're going to be looking to get back on the right side of things. And right now, you're looking at how what happened to Washington State. If you remember, they lost to Oregon State last week. And they're coming to Alton Stadium as 20-point underdogs around that number. It's probably going. It's going to be tough sledding, I think, for Washington State. Even though they've actually been a pretty solid Pac-12 team this year, again four and two, they're one and twelve in the conference. And yeah, they did have that loss to Oregon State, but they've been solid for the most part. But I think Oregon's going to get back on track this week. I think they're going to look to get back on track. Bo Nix is going to have a really good game uh, right now. He's been playing really well. He's probably in the Heisman conversation too with how well he's been playing. So I think Oregon, I think they win this game. I don't know if they cover, but I'm going to have to win this game, get back on track, get back to their winning ways, get the six and one and get back on the right side of things. So give me the ducks here to win this game and for the duck to do a lot of pushups <laughs> in this game. I, I'll tell you what, the, and the time that, you know, they've done the push up thing with that duck, man, I got to think about you know, like the person that's in the mascot, like, man, how many times they must have been worn out doing all those push-ups. So give me the Ducks here to win this one over Washington State. Next one up, we got South Carolina at Mizzou. This one actually should be a really solid game. It's for the Mayor's Cup, Governor's Cup. It, it, there's some kind of award here uh, with the two Columbia teams going at it. So I, I forget what the award is, and uh, I'm probably sure I'll hear, hear about it from Rebecca about exactly what it is. But right now, Mizzou is a, around a 7.5-point favorite at Perot Field over, with South Carolina coming to town after losing to Florida the way they did last week. They're going on the road 2-4, and 1-3 and three in the SEC. And, of course, the last time they went on the road, it did not go well at Tennessee. And Mizzou... I think Luther Byrne gets back on track after having a really weird week last week. Very uncharacteristic from what we've seen of him so far this year. But I think he'll be back on track this year. Him and Theo Weiss have been a really good one-two combo for Mizzou this year. And Brady Cook, again, has been pretty good. I think better than what I expected when me and Rebecca talked about him when we previewed Mizzou. So he's been really good. For South Carolina, I think, you know, your offense line's got to be able to protect you. You got to get Xavier Leggett involved in all this action. 
and he got get Spencer Spencer Rattler on his A game. If he's on his A game, this could actually turn into a really fun high scoring game. The over under is around fifty nine. So if South Carolina is able to protect Rattler, then Rattler can go out and make some plays. He definitely can. But uh, I think I am going with Mizzou. And if they win this one, they would move to 7-1. And Mizzou, they do have some tough games coming up. They do have a Georgia team coming up that they are going to have to go to at Athens. They do have Tennessee coming to their stadium. So they got some tough ones coming up. But 7-1 would not be bad. South Carolina falls at 2-5. and five. I don't know what the temperature is at that Columbia with Frank Beamer, but or Shane Beamer, but uh, I can't imagine it would. It won't be nice. Let's just hope he doesn't break the other foot this time uh, if they lose. But uh, I'm taking Mizzou here to win this one and move on to seven and zero. The next one up, man. Oh man! Last year, of course, who would have thought? I would have been coming on and doing a celebratory pod with Peter after what happened with a, a shootout, 52 to 49. Uh, I I still don't know. You know, I may end up posting that video that was that my sister see, secretly took at me celebrating the win. Uh, we'll have to see. Maybe if they win this one, maybe maybe I'll show it off. But um, last year, I remember picking Tennessee to win this game, and that ended up going really well for me. And like, Ryan, is that lead in for you to pick in Tennessee this this year again? It might be, but let's kind of let's kind of talk through it. Alabama, the way they played the last couple of weeks against AM and against Arkansas, they've won them, but they haven't been dominant. You know, that's one thing about Bama this year. There hasn't been any sense of dominance from them this year. And that's been kind of strange considering Bama, Saban, you know, what we've seen over the last, you know, decade plus. It's kind of weird to see and not see dominance from them. And, you know, they kind of let Arkansas back in that game last week and just narrowly escaped with the win. And so they've been really struggling to find some consistency, really find and finding some production. One week, Milro is able to have a good game, prove the doubters wrong throw for over 300 yards, be really efficient. But and then the and the run game is absolute crap. Then the next week, like last week, run game works fine. El Milro has some trouble. So it's like there's no consistency here. And you know, it's kind of, Tennessee is kind of like some of that too with the running in the pass game. There's no consistency in the passing game. I do have to wonder how much of that has been the offensive line hasn't had the pieces in place yet. How much of that is, you know, the receivers and Milton I don't know. And also, you you take a look at Bama. The offensive line has not been great this year. They've given up 31 sacks. And this kind of blew my mind when I heard this stat, that the 31 sacks that Bama has given up, first off, they're fourth most in FBS. There's only one more Power 5 team that's allowed more this season, and that's Colorado. This is actually kind of mind-blowing considering the talent that Bama pulls in on all sides of the ball, even their offensive line. It's kind of shocking that they've given up this amount of sacks. And if there's one thing we've seen Tennessee do really well over the last couple weeks is being able to get after the quarterback, whether it's with four or creating some exotic blitzes, some stunts, you know, getting, you know, get some guys moving and take advantage of that and take advantage of some confusion. 
And so, yeah, in Tennessee's team this year, it's really different. They're winning, running, and passing. Uh, running with the running game, well, not passing, running and defense. Defense has been really good. And, you know, secondary has actually been kind of solid here. And if there's one thing I think you can take on the road is a good defense. And I think they can try to take advantage of Bama's lack of consistency on the offensive line. I could see that happening. Now, it, it also depends on which Bama team will we see. Will we see a team that runs the ball really effectively, or will we see a team with, where Milrow has to throw for over 250, nearly 300 yards in this game? We'll have to see. Right now, Bama is favored by around eight, nine points on the road. And, you know, he kind of figures, you know, Bama would want to be in a revenge game considering what happened last year. They probably want to get back. It's like, hey, last year was an anomaly. Let's get back to what should be happening, and that is winning. But I will say, when besides last year, of course, last year being in, in Knoxville, when Tennessee has gone on to play Bama at Bama, there's been a couple times here in recent years, and I think I probably mentioned this two years ago when they went there, where they have played close games. Um, in fact, that game two years ago, it was a close game, and then Bama just kind of, you know, ended up winning because, you know, they're Bama, they had the talent, they had the depth. You know, Tennessee couldn't keep up. Last year, they did. So I wonder, you know, could that same thing happen? And I have to imagine this is probably not going to be a pretty game. It's probably going to be a close game. I, I think, you know, if you pick Bama, I think you got pick it to be like maybe like a, a touchdown game i mean because let's be honest i don't know what we're going to see out of either team I, I really don't um so i mean listen i am going to pick tennessee here but if bama wins i would not be shocked i do think if tennessee does win i think it will have to depend off milton can make a big play whether that's with his arms or his legs i don't know mate there's been a couple times this year where he's made a couple big-time runs that they've really needed. And I also think, hey, Tennessee can run on Bama. You know, I, I think I was hearing somebody say, like, you know, can they run on Bama? Bama's allowed a little over 100 yards rushing. Well, you saw what they did with AM last week, who's given up fewer rushing yards. They ran all over them. They imposed their will. Now, depends on this Tennessee team can do it against this Bama team. So we'll have to see. Um, but I'm going to pick my guys here. Uh, and again, if Bama wins, I won't be shocked. I'll probably, and you know, I'll probably be a little bit sad here, but it's like, okay, there's still a long season to go. Uh, let's try to get him back next year. But I'm going with Tennessee here. Ole Miss and Auburn. Really spicy game here. Hugh Freeze getting a chance to have his old team come back and face him here at uh, in, at Auburn. So a nice little storyline here to kind of watch. And I, I wonder how much, all, you know, I wonder if Auburn, the, the players are going to take that into account. It's like, hey, let's go get this one for coach and try to win this one. And they might end up doing it. You know, they might. Sometimes that stuff happens. You know, we kind of saw it with the, even though it's a completely different situation with the Jets, you know, being the Broncos and, you know, the Broncos are terrible. And the Jets are just kind of all right, even though Zach Wilson's played solid. But I was like, hey, we saw how Sean Payne disrespected Nathaniel Hackett. Let's go win this game for the man. And that's what they end up doing. So it can happen. 
Um, I don't know if it will happen. Jackson Dart's been really good. 12 touchdowns, two picks this year so far. Ole Miss, they're, and they are nearly touchdown favorites on the road. It's going to be a night game at Auburn, so it, it should be a fun atmosphere there. And again, with the underlying thing with Hugh Freeze, with Ole Miss coming to Jordan Air, I do think Ole Miss gets the victory here. and That would push Auburn to 0-4 in SEC play, which I think if you're Auburn, you got to find like, okay, where's our, our first win in SEC play? Where is it at? Um, but I am taking the Rebels here to go to Jordan Air and win that one in spite of what I think will probably be a valiant effort by the Auburn players are trying to get Hugh Freeze a win over his old team. Duke at Florida State. ACC game. Florida State ranked in the top five. And you know, it is rare to see a team ranked in the top five lose. I mean, we did have it happen here recently with Texas and Alabama, but it doesn't happen all that often. Um, right now, Florida State, they are favored around 14, 14 and a half. Night game at Tallahassee. Jordan Travis is playing some good ball. Keon Coleman's been a, a lethal threat at the wide receiver position. Sounds like Johnny Wilson should be able to go in this game. The X factor here is the health of Riley Leonard. Now, he didn't play last week, and Mike Elko said he's day-to-day. So we'll see if he does play on Saturday. But I imagine even if he does play, they are going to lean on the run game. That's what they did last week, and they end up winning the game. They ran the ball a whole lot. I believe it was like over 30 or something, 30 something times last week. And that's what they had to do. And end up winning them the game. Now, one thing that can help them is Florida State's run defense has not been great. I believe I was I heard a stat that, you know, they, you know, as far as yards per carry, it's well over five, and that's like in the low 90s right now. That's in like 93, 92, or something like that. So it, the run defense isn't great, and that can play in the Duke's favor. Now, Riley Leonard can use his legs. We've seen it before, but it depends on how much can he use his legs if he does play, if he's good to go, if he's still banged up. So maybe Duke can play into that a little bit with Florida State's run defense not being great. It does shorten up games as well. You know, that's something I really kind of noticed is I've been doing camera work over here in Carlersville is noticing, you know, the teams that like to run the ball a whole lot, they do shorten the games a whole lot. And I kind of do appreciate it some nights. But that's one thing I've noticed is just like how much they've shortened games. I guess you never really realize it until you're actually seeing it in person, just like how much teams can shorten games by just running the ball continually down your throats or whether it's jet sweeps, getting out on the edges or something. So maybe Duke can do a little bit of that. And also the Duke Duke defense, I think, will travel well too. I think they'll be solid, but, man, they're going to have a time trying to cover Keon Coleman. Uh, The guy's been spectacular this year. He's just been killing it. Uh, And, you know, looking at this game, I think I'm going to take Florida State to win this game, but I do think it won't be 14. I think it's probably closer for me somewhere around 10 if I had to pick a number. But I'm going to take Florida State here. And I'm guessing I'm taking into account Riley Leonard is going to play. But maybe if he doesn't, maybe I do take the over on the 14-point game number. I it, I think I would take the over on, on 14 if he doesn't play. But if he does, 
think it's more like 10 or something like that. Or maybe he does play and maybe it is 14 or over. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Again, that's why they play the games. Another ACC contest. This one, not ranked. No, no ranked teams in this matchup. And it is between Clemson and Miami, which is kind of surprising because you would think one of these teams would be ranked knowing their histories, but they are not. And right now, Clemson is a three-point favorite on the road. And I really don't know what to expect out either of these teams. Miami has dropped these last two games recently. And you wonder how much the home environment is going to be impactful. Probably not too much. I think I am going to take Clemson in this one to go and win this one on the road. I just think Miami right now, last two weeks, have not been all that great for them. They probably need to recover last week against Carolina, and they just didn't after what happened against Georgia Tech. So I'm going to take the Clemson Tigers here to win this one at Miami at the U and get to five and two and get to two get to three and two, I believe, in ACC play, which and that would knock Miami to zero and three in ACC play. Really put them behind the eight ball there in conference play. And then the last one, Utah at USC, Pac-12 game here. And USC is favored here by around seven, you know, six, seven, around that mark. And, I mean, you take a look at what happened last week. You do wonder how long the Lincoln-Riley offense is going to be like that. I'd imagine not for long. He's got to get his, his offensive line figured out because what happened at Notre Dame last week cannot happen again. Not they're looking to make a deep run. Can't happen again. And also maybe getting the ball to Marshawn Lloyd a little bit. Picked him up out of the transfer portal from South Carolina. Has been really effective when he's gotten the ball. Maybe they can really help take some pressure off of Caleb Williams and the offensive line a little bit. And let them, you know, get, get them some running plays and just go and just find somebody just try to pancake them. And if you look at how what Caleb what's been happening with Caleb over the last month or so, he's been the fifth most pressured quarterback in the country. And so I think one what's one way I think you can alleviate that is by running the football and just getting the offensive line going. It's like, hey, listen, we will have to call some passing plays because we got the, all these weapons here. But let's get let's run the ball here a little bit and let's try and get things going. And I do think they're wanting revenge as well. If you remember, Utah beat them twice last year. They beat them in a pretty good shootout last year in the first game, and then the conf- and then later on in the conference championship, they just flat out beat them. So USC probably has that on the mind a little bit. But they have had some holes this year that have shown up on both sides, although the defense has actually played pretty well so far. And in this game, of course, no Cameron rising. He He's probably going to not I had to imagine with his knee injury, probably not going to play at all this year. And for Utah, they haven't, they, they've made do without him, you know, running the ball. So I wonder if USC's defense is going to try to make Bryson Barnes or Johnson, Nate Johnson, the other quarterback, try to beat him. And so I'm like, sure, we'll, we'll give you that, but try to beat us. And again, I don't think you can keep the USC Lincoln Riley offense down for long. I, you know, they could come out and play an explosive brand of football this week. And it's like, you know, last week was an aberration. We're back on track this week. But I think if USC, if they want to take some pressure off of Caleb and the offensive line, 
run the football. Give the ball to Marshawn Lloyd. Let him do some work. Let him be effective. And take some pressure off the offensive line and Caleb, which was really feeling it last week. So I will go with USC here and think they get back on track this week and get some revenge on Utah. So that will do it for college football. Let's move on and let's talk some NFL and let's talk about some of these games we got going on. And of course, with the Thursday night game with Jacksonville and New Orleans, I don't really know who is going to what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence in that game. So we'll have to see if he's going to play or not. But I picked it on Monday and I'm going with the Saints on that, I believe. I just, again, just don't really know what's going to happen with Lawrence. Sounds like as of, you know, as I'm taping this on like Thursday afternoon, that he's a game time decision. But I think I'm going with the Saints here. I think I'm going with the Saints to get the win. So that is going to be the Thursday night game. And there's a lot of teams on by this week in week number seven. And, I, you know, Tynes are one of them. So thank goodness for that. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of teams on by this week. And, you know, honestly, I could have picked the whole slate of games this week if I if I wanted to. But held off a back, showed some self-control. So let's get right on into it. And let's talk about first game that we're picking and that is going to be the Browns at Colts of course the Colts Anthony Richardson not going to have him the rest of the way he's going to have season ending shoulder surgery try saying that five times fast and it really hate that for him so it's going to be Gardner Minshew's team the rest of the way and we saw what Jacksonville did when they had a full week to prepare for Minshew mania and they were able to capitalize on it and with how well the Browns' defense played last week over the 49ers, even though they were without McCaffrey, Debo for a lot of that game, they did really well. They've allowed the fewest yards through five games by any team since 1971. That is actually nuts to kind of think about and try to process. So I think if the Browns make, if the Browns do what Jacksonville did last week, if they had that same game plan and making the Colts one dimensional, I think they win this game. If they shut down the running game of Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor, and we'll have to see how many snaps Taylor gets this week, increase a little bit last week. I have to see if it increases a little bit more this week. It, it might end up happening and helping Gardner Minshew out at home. But I think even though you got P.J. Walker at quarterback, I, I think the Browns do enough to win this game, make the plays they need to to win this game. Force Gardner into a bad decision or two. I think the defense really does win the Browns this game. So I'm going to take the Browns to go on the road to Indy and beat the Colts. Next one up, we got the Bills at Patriots. There is a little bit of concern about Josh Allen and his injuries here. Uh, you do wonder, you know, if it's going if it's going to affect him not running and going out of the pocket a whole lot being more hesitant to take off. So you wonder if he's starting to feel a little bit banged up there. And Bulldog packs how he plays on a road at a road game against the Patriots, which Patriots desperately need this game, even though I think, you know, they're probably out of the playoff race and that might be too early to say, Jason, they just have not looked any good this year at all. Like, that just none, nothing. And right now they are they're a big time underdogs 
at home at Gillette Stadium. And, you know, Bills kind of had to be worried. Maybe it's a, a trap game, you know, with it being a division game. But I think the Bills got it. I think the Bills are going to be fine. I think they win this one. And Josh Allen will do fine. Stephon Diggs. I think everybody's going to do good. So give me the Buffalo Bills to win this game and go beat a division rival. So moving on to the next game that we have up on the slate. That is, let me pull it up here. That is going to be the Falcons and the Buccaneers. And the Buccaneers have fallen off here. Here recently, Baker had a nice start here. But last week kind of came back down to earth. Falcons defense has actually been pretty solid for the most part. Falcons had that loss to the commanders last week. And Ritter, I think, probably does need to play well to really kind of keep his job security in check and avoid losing his job to Taylor Heineke. Bucks, I imagine, are probably going to stack the box against Bijan. And Ritter's got to take advantage of that if that happens. He's got to find Drake London or Kyle Pitts or Jonu Smith or whoever. You know, Kyle Pitts has actually played pretty good here recently. So maybe that's a good sign for him. So you might have to fight him if they stack the box against Bijan here. So right now, Buccaneers, they are a small favorite at home. They are around two and a half point, two and a half point favorites at home. And, you know, I think, I think I'm going to take the Bucs. I think the Bucs do get back on track. I think, you know, even though Baker's kind of come back down to earth, I think he is going to do fine. Buccaneers, Mike Evans got to win. They're going to do well, even though this Falcons defense is very underrated again. So, yeah, I'll take the Bucs here in an NFC South showdown as they get to 4-2. and two. Next up, we got the Ravens at Lions, or Lions at Ravens, rather. This one it looks like it's going to be a, a good game to watch. Uh, Lions, again, have been outstanding here to start off the season. The Ravens, though, are our favorite at home. And, may, and three points around that margin, I was like, okay, that – that's, you know, because of their home team. That's why. If the Lions win this one, get this. They would match their total number of road wins over the past two seasons combined. That's actually kind of crazy to think about. Uh, for the Lions, though, they it does sound like David Montgomery is going to be out for a bit. So Jameer gives you are RB1. He's going to get his chance to go out and try to show, like, why the Lions took him so high in the draft. He's going to get a shot here. And he's going to get more carries than he's gotten in his first few games. So Gibbs, get ready. If you're a fancy owner, we'll have to see how he does. The Ravens' defense has been pretty good. They've done well at stopping the run, despite Derrick Henry breaking off a pretty big one last week. And uh, I think Ravens, Man, th- this is a hard game to pick. This one, I think, looking at it, this one, and I think Dolphins and Eagles, I think those two are going to be the hardest to pick. Because, again, lines have been good, but Ravens are at home, and they are favored. Oh, man. 
Oh man, ah, uh, this is. Uh, it's times like this where I wish I had the wheel <laughs> that we use. Matt, don't hate me. I think I'm gonna go roll with the lines here. All right. <laughs> it's good. Oh man, I just probably created an awkward pod next week if uh, if we figure out when to do it. So it's gonna be an awkward one. My that's gonna be. You guys gotta be able to tune into that one. Oh man, Steelers and Rams. And Steelers coming off a bye week. Rams, three-point favorites. They did lose Kyron Williams. He's going to be out for a few weeks. And Kyron's been playing some really good football. And so the Rams running game took a really big hit. Steelers, they're going to have their eye on on stopping Cup and Puka. And if they can contain them. Right now, Looking at again, Steelers are on by. When they've been coached by Mike Tomlin here, coming off a of bye, they are twelve and four, including six straight wins. I think they make that seven here. I think they go to L.A. and I think they get the win. That's actually kind of crazy that they've been that good on the road on after a bye with Tomlin as the head coach. You have to wonder if there's going to be things that are going to change here. Will Jalen Warren have a big role? Uh, will that take away some snaps from Najee? Will Pickens play even more of a factor? You know, Deontay Johnson, when will he get back? Um, so I think I'm going to take the Steelers here to go on the road, even though they're road dogs, and win this one. Next one up, we got the Cardinals at the Seahawks and there's a couple injury concerns. I know I I pulled up fantasy football, the Yahoo Fantasy app today. I saw a question mark or questionable uh, signed by Lockett, and I saw something about Metcalf too. So if one of those guys isn't going to go, Jackson Smith the Jigba is going to see his role increased and be another rookie that's going to see his role take uh, uptick in potential production. And you know, Cardinals, before they st- started doing Cardinals things last week, they did pretty well. But right now, their running game, don't have James Conner. That could really key in things for the Seahawks on defense with no ability to run the football with no Conner back there. I think I'm going to take the Seahawks to win this one at home. They are nearly touchdown favorites at home. I think they can get things done, even if Lockett or Metcalf or both of them are out. And I think Kenneth Walker actually has a pretty good day on the ground. So give me the Seahawks to win at home and establish a little bit of home field advantage there. Packers at Broncos. Uh, Of course, Packers coming off a bye as well. This one I think is really crucial for the Broncos to try to get back and for Russell Wilson Dare we say it, to try to stave off his job from Jarrett Stidham taking over and see if Stidham can actually get them a win. This is a huge one for the Broncos, I think. And, and you know, if they don't win this one, I think they're going to have to start asking that question. Now, if they win this one, I think he can hold that off for maybe a week or two. But as of right now, you got to wonder about that. And Packers are going to get some guys back. It does sound like Aaron Jones is going to play in this game. I think I'm going to, have to go with the Packers, though. I I feel like with the Packers and with how the Broncos have been playing, 
it, it's very tough to just take the Broncos right now. I do wonder like how things are going. We did talk about them last week as maybe being a team like they're going to be sellers or something like that. I think I'm going to take the Broncos here, even though they are slight underdogs, not big time underdogs. But uh, I think they win this one and they get to 500 in this one with getting some of their guys back and having a week off. So give me the Packers here to win this one. The Sunday night game, Dolphins and Eagles. This one's going to be a really tough one. And, you know, I didn't put Chargers and Chiefs on here, even though I probably should have. Uh, as far as that one, I think Chiefs probably should have won it, even though Chargers do have a lot of their guys back. Um, but, yeah, Dolphins at Eagles. Going to be a really interesting game to see if Miami can attack that right tackle spot again. It does sound like Lane Johnson is probably not going to play. They do get Darius Slate and Jalen Carter back on the defensive side of the ball. And if you do, and you have to wonder, is that going to help the Eagles on defense at all? Because the Dolphins' offense has been absolutely incredible this year. And I think I've already I've seen Tyreek is only a few yards away from getting a thousand yards in Week Seven. <laughs> Which, if you remember him saying he wanted to get to two thousand yards receiving, that was his goal. I think we all kind of scoffed at. I was like, "There's no way." And here he is pretty much at the midway point, and he's almost at 1,000 yards. So it's actually kind of feasible to think about Tyreek being a 2,000-yard receiver this year. But we'll have to see if he gets that against Philly and see if he's able to do that against against Darius Slay and the DBs there at Philly to see if they have anything to say about it. I do think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. I have to check the – I'm going to check the over-under for this one because it does look like it's 51 and a half. And looking at the other games, yeah, this is – as far as over-unders go, it's the highest one. And Philly, they are the home – they are the home team in this one. They are home favorites. And I was, re- I was reading something today that said Tua leads the league in passer rating, passing touchdowns, passing yards. TDs per attempt, yards per attempt, yards per completion. Six categories. Six. That's actually that's crazy too. Although probably not as crazy as the Tyreek stat. That's kind of crazy with how well Tua has been doing this this year. I do think Philly though, they do need to find a way to bounce back. And I think they do this week. I do think they stave off the explosive Miami offense just a bit. I think the over-under here, I think it's going to be every bit that, again, it's 51 and a half. So, I don't know. Let's kind of do some quick division here. You know, what's, you know, 51 and a half minus, <laughs> divide by two, and that's 25, you know, 20, around 26. So, it's going to be a high-scoring, explosive game, I think. But uh, I'm going to take the home team. I think the Eagles do bounce back this week and get the win. But uh, it's going to be, a, I think, a fun, explosive game on Sunday night football. So we should be in for a treat Sunday night. And then on Monday night football, 49ers and Vikings, you do wonder, is Debo going to be a go? Is McCaffrey going to be a go? Does sound like they're, you know, McCaffrey, there's probably likely going to play in that game. We'll have to see. But right now, San Francisco, they are seven-point favorites on the road. So you should feel pretty good about that. Yeah, Debo's questionable. McCaffrey's questionable. Drake Greenlaw's questionable. Trent Williams is questionable. I do imagine a lot of those guys will play. 
Uh, we'll have to see about Debo, though. I have not really read anything clear on Debo except like day to day. So we'll see. But I imagine if McCaffrey's out there and we talked about him one day, I think that will make a big impact on having him back there in the 49ers offense. And I think they will beat the Vikings on Monday Night Football. And we're getting primetime Kirk. And we'll see how he does. And, you know, the Vikings, they've been getting better, even though they've had injuries pile up on them. And, and I mean, no, but no Justin Jefferson in this game. I do think it makes the 49ers defense. It, it makes things a little bit easier for them and how they guard this offense. And so I think the 49ers can get the win here at Minnesota and get back on track and get to six and one. And the Vikings fall to two and five. And that is our week seven preview for the NFL. And that is our football preview, everybody. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And next week, we'll be back. We'll be talking about some of this stuff. And we'll try to figure out a day where me and Matt can sit down, kind of talk about where things are seven weeks into this NFL season, see what we like, see what we don't like, and all that good stuff. And again, next week, we'll also have our NBA preview pod as the season gets tipped off next Tuesday and everybody else gets tipped off, I believe, that following Wednesday. So it's going to be a fun time here with uh, basketball getting back into the picture. But that'll do it for us here, everybody. Again, if you haven't yet, be sure to go check us out wherever you guys get your podcast. Be sure to go check us out on the YouTube channel, 573 Podcast, and check us out on social media on X at 573 Pods. But again, that'll do it for me here, everybody. Have a good Friday. Have a good weekend. Have fun with all this football, and we'll talk to you all next time.